You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 86 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bouchot, and this is the show for October 2020. Joining me today, I have a panel which is small in number, but high in quality, and frankly, nicely geographically spread too. Um, Back with me is regular from uh, my east in the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. We're joined by Simon Parnell from the Essential Apple podcast. Welcome back, Simon. Oh, glad to be back, Bart. Pleasure as always to have you. And then from the other side of Ireland, across a rather larger pond and then an entire <laughs> continent, I we are joined for the first time on this show by Micah Sargent from Clockwise and the Twit Network. Micah, welcome aboard. Uh, thank you so much. I am honoured and pleased to be here. Well, I'm just delighted you said yes when I invited you. Um, thank you. <laughs> Of course, yeah. This is this is exciting, and frankly, it's nice to turn my attention overseas and forget about this hellscape I live in. I, a lot of the world is very similar in 2020, unfortunately. Well, while we don't share your, you know, votey thing next week, <laughs> we are in a shared COVIDy sort of world, aren't we? Certainly, certainly. So there's a little bit of uh, empathy, sympathy going on from from across the way, uh, and I appreciate that for sure. But uh, this is this is delightful. Well, since you haven't been on before, Mike, um, do you want to just give a very quick sort of idea of, of where you sit in the Apple landscape? I mean, I'm a huge fan of the Clockwise podcast, but maybe describe it for the listeners. Yeah, so Clockwise is a 30-minute tech podcast. We bring on two guests each week, we being myself and my co-host, Dan Morin. Uh, and we bring on two guests every week, and each person brings a topic to the table, and we go kind of around the table, the virtual table, as it were. Uh, everybody brings a topic, each person answers that topic, and we move on to the next one. So uh, sometimes the show runs longer in actuality than 30 minutes, and we cut it down to just 30 minutes. I was going to say, uh, I have then, never seen my iPod, my iPod, my iPhone tell me anything longer than 30 minutes. You guys are very religious about that. Absolutely. And uh, it's kind of, it's interesting when we have some guests on that have more to say. And so the show runs runs a rather long and you're trying to figure out what needs to go and what needs to stay. So that's always interesting. Uh, versus the other shows that I do on the Twit Network, most of them covering Apple, uh, where they can and do run longer than uh, 30 minutes, for sure. Yes, the, the Twit Network is known for its uh, quantity of content. I mean, it's yes. a very different format and they're both enjoyable, right? But different. Very different, uh, indeed. And I just want to compliment you guys on the Clockwise podcast, because in my opinion, your theme tune is one of the most fitting and one of the funnest theme tunes of any podcast out there. <laughs> the, the clock motif in that opening music and closing music, I just love it. I, I think it's really well done. Ah, uh, yeah, I... I 
I don't know. I, I was a listener before I was a co-host on the show. I loved it then. Uh, I love it every time because Dan and I switch off editing. So he'll edit one week, I'll edit one yeah. week. And I, of course, every other week I'm listening to that music to make sure that the intro flows perfectly into the episode. And I never get tired of it. Yeah, it's, it sounds like it should. It sounds like a clock. You know, it, it's... <laughs> Anyway, we have one heck of a month of Apple news to digest. Um, so before we get into the, the main stories for the month, just a little follow-up, a uh, little rundown of some long-running stories and follow-up. Um, we talked last time about the Apple One bundle. Well, it is now available to us as of as we record this as of yesterday. Um, it is my intention to uh, switch over to it, but I'll be honest, I haven't quite gotten round to it yet. Um, <laughs> what about you guys? Any any of you guys jumped on board? Um, I haven't because at the moment I've you know Apple have kindly donated me another three months of Apple TV for free. Indeed, um, they have. Not just you, by the way. You're not special. We all get it. <laughs> no, no, no. Everybody who had already had a free year, they extended that. Um, so at the moment, there's no benefit because mm. the two products I'm interested in is Apple Music, which is uh, my daughter uses a lot. And I don't use it a huge amount. And the Apple TV, well, at the moment, I've got another three months of Apple TV. So um, I I had Apple Arcade when it was free for whatever, how long it was originally. And nice as it was, it wasn't something that I was considered, you know, considered worthy of my hard-earned pennies. <laughs> so um, if I do go for it, it will probably be in February and then I will effectively be paying for the tv and the music and getting arcade and a little bit of storage space for free nice nice yeah for me uh, i do a show every thursday called hands on ios where it's kind of just a, a tip show and a questions answered show and so as soon as apple one hit i knew that i was going to want to do a video explaining how to subscribe to apple one how to get it set up if you don't get the prompt where to go to find it etc uh so as soon as i heard it was available i dug in to try and find because at first it's kind of buried so i was able to figure out where it is located and i subscribed to the kind of top tier one simply because i was already subscribed to apple news plus apple arcade uh, apple tv plus and i can't even remember now what else oh apple music etc um so I went ahead and, and switched to the Premiere, which saves some money. Uh, but I think one of the most fascinating things, and I, I see that you've got it noted here, is the fact that you can add more storage on top of it. That's interesting to me, kind of exciting. Yeah, I mean, four terabytes is what you can get up to. That seems like it should be sufficient. Yeah, because <laughs> it, with family sharing is kind of the big thing. I, uh, as the you know resident Apple expert of my family already subscribed to a lot of those things and i you know i've heard my family complain from time to time about oh i've got to i've got to start deleting photos i've got to do this i've got to do that and so i thought oh i know a way that i can help them and also help them save money is basically 
let my account be the the family owner mm-hmm. account and invite them in and so they can use the storage that I had available. And I was already doing the two terabyte plan. Um, but the more people you add on, the more that starts to fill up. So I was kind of eyeballing it going, oh dear, oh no. Uh, and then when I saw that I could add a whole nother two terabytes, then I kind of, ah, okay, we're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah. Well, our, our family is a little smaller. It's just myself and the better half. And, uh, so f- at the moment, um, it worked out cheaper for us each to buy one of the, whatever the lowest tier of storage is, so, 10 gigs 200 200 gigs that's what it is so at the moment reach buying 200 gigs for 99 cent a month in euro cent uh but maybe now with i with with the apple one maybe it's about time we went up to the two terabytes maybe yeah i mean are you running close to the the uh, the spot because i actually you know for a long time i think it was unadvisable uh to or inadvisable to, to do so, but I use the syncing on my Mac as well. Uh, and I think that that's kind of where the storage Gets issues have come from more than anything else. I've been sort of, re- I've been meaning to turn on uh, iCloud Photo Library and I haven't yet. And the reason I haven't is because, oh, I shoot a lot of photos, but the liberty, if I go up to two terabytes, I can just turn it on. You know? Yes, exactly. And it's kind of nice to just go, ah, okay, it's backed up. I, I, I know this is a little off topic, but I don't know about you folks, but I kind of have, I use this, not as many, but several different services to back up my photos just in case one of them ends up messing up. I've got them in Amazon's photo library because I'm a prime subscriber. And then I've also got them in Google photos and in the same way that I'm a subscriber to Spotify, Apple Music, uh, and no longer, but was a subscriber to Amazon, it's kind of using those different music services for what they're really good for. Mm. Anytime someone like my mom will say, oh, do you remember that time we did da-da-da-da-da? I'll usually go to Google Photos because its search feature is better, I feel, than Apple's own search feature. But Apple Photos is my main library, my main way of organizing that content. But to actually find it, I'll just go to photos.google.com. So it's kind of nice having it in all those different places. Interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. That is that's a, definitely that's a good tip. Um, yeah. Uh, the other thing to mention is if you're already buying stuff from Apple, uh, if you go to Apple One, you will get refunds on stuff that's outstanding. So maybe you bought a whole year's worth of something and uh, now you're getting Apple One, Apple will refund you the balance. So that is nothing to lose, only to gain. Yes, that's nice. Uh, I think that that's a big question that folks had, uh, certainly going into it is, okay, if I subscribe to this, then what am I going to what am I gonna do? And yeah. I got to say, props to iMore for continuing to be the site that kind of answers all of those questions that folks have. Uh, I used to, I, you know, used to work for iMore uh, back in the day, I guess. And I just remember kind of, we did a good job of always brainstorming those questions that people have and making sure they get answered. Absolutely. And I'm just scanning through the show notes here. And there's a lot of iMore links in the show notes because iMore is just a site that tends to just answer the question, you know, what, what happened and why? How does this work? Yeah. You know, and I love that. It's just, that's what I want. Tell me, you know. Um, 
Moving on then, that little virus thing continues to exist. Um, So in COVID news, Apple is expanding its express retail format for the holiday season so we can continue to spend our money even if we don't spend much time in Apple stores. (laughs) Speaking of which, seven Italian Apple stores are closing. Sorry, yeah, have to close for the iPhone 12 launch weekend, which is not good for them. Um, Apple have updated their US COVID-19 app uh, with more information from the CDC. Um, Better news, here in Europe, uh, we have a bunch of countries, Ireland included, um, and the UK now, uh, where we have Apple Google-based contact tracing apps. And Ireland was one of the first three to federate across other European nations. And so that's Hmm. beginning to happen more and more now. And given how close together our countries are, it's rather important that we start to get them all connected together. And that will be true in the US when enough of your states get around to getting apps out. Oh, Lord have mercy. Yeah, I still don't understand why California, of all places. Oh, tell me about it, Bart. Tell me like, about what? it. Come I... on. There's, <laughs> yeah, there's some people you it. can ask, you know. <laughs> oh, it's so just so frustrating. I thought, oh, I'll be able to go on day one and get this. And just, I there's a great 9 to 5 Mac article. Uh, I think it's Zach Hall's article. And he's basically keeping updated with the states that have supported um, and are planning to support and are not planning to support uh, the the contact tracing. And I kind of go there regularly checking. And California finally has one in development, but oh, good. <laughs> it's not done yet. So I just, yeah, I agree with you. There are a few companies you could ask for help here. I don't know why you feel you need to do it on your own. Yeah, I mean, there's Mountain View and or Cupertino. They're just up the road. <laughs> Take your pick. <laughs> oh, Lord. Indeed. Um, France then uh, is going back into national lockdown, so Apple are closing its stores there. And the same is true in England, where um, the Prime Minister announced a lockdown yesterday evening. In terms of Apple services getting some TLC, um, Apple has expanded their health records feature to the UK and Canada. I am looking jealously at you guys over there. Really want this feature. Um, uh, I, well, I, I have to say... Honestly, that's one of my favorite features. Um, when the first time that I got that, I immediately got that figured out and started using it and have since kind of tried to be a bit of an advocate for other people to uh, please use it, please check it out, because it really is something that helps you take control of and understand your own health uh, needs and and kind of sort of... Uh, not let the doctor be the only one who kind of knows what's going on with you. Yeah. I think we we pilot these ambulatory meat sacks and some of us kind of leave this earth not knowing a whole lot about the ambulatory meat sack we piloted around. And that to me is a concept that is frightening. And so any way that I can kind of understand this thing that I am in uh, a little bit more is beneficial so i hope you get it soon uh because i think that it's really good just from a practical point of view for reasons that i don't want to go into uh, my cardiologist is in one hospital and my respiratory specialist is in another hospital and the only place the two meet is in my gp my general practitioner but i want me to be in the middle of that not just my gp and to me, if both hospitals were to use this, then I would have much more insight into what's going on. 
especially because you get notifications anytime there's something new added. Uh, I will get a notification saying, oh. hey, your health records have been updated. And so I can immediately go in and see, okay, that test that I had to go in and get done is available or my, you know, my, my main practitioner has uh, renewed my prescription or whatever it happens to be. And so I'm constantly kind of reminded to check in on myself in that way and know as soon as that stuff changes in the system. And what I think is also helpful is for me, I've moved from different states uh, and having that information from previous states pulled into the same place so that when a new doctor asks me something, I can go, oh, well, let me see. Okay, here it is right here. And this is what happened on the state. Actually, that is really good if you're changing doctors and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Also getting some TLC, Apple Maps. Uh, Phoenix in Arizona now has the very fun look around feature. Um, Apple is also rolling out improved maps experience in Canada. Um, and Chicago is getting Apple Pay Express for their transit, which is very useful. And uh, the Italian cities of Milan, Naples, Turin, Palermo, Genoa, Florence and Venice are all getting uh, transit directions, which was previously limited to just Rome. So that's a a nice update for Italy. Uh, Apple is also continuing to roll out improved tools for their developers. Um, App Store Connect got a bit of TLC with some test flight integration and a shiny new icon. Uh, The test flight integration is useful. The icon is, yeah, whatever. Um, There's also a new Swift algorithms been added into Swift. So the idea being stuff that people need a lot, like quicksort and bubble sort or whatever, it's just pre-written for you. So you as a developer don't get to make rookie mistakes redoing the same code 20 million other developers have had to do already. You just use it from Swift algorithms. So that's a a lovely new feature for developers. Uh, Developers can also offer their apps for pre-order up to 180 days in advance now. And there are some very nerdy under the hood new tools to help developers better manage their subscription renewals uh, for subscription-based software. And uh, in related, but not quite as happy news, Apple uh, has had to update a pricing in Brazil, Russia, India, and a few other countries because of changes in exchange rates and local taxes. You know, it happens from time to time. Um, uh, India, everything's going up by a few percent because they've added a new tax. So, you know, that's, that's how mm. it works. Gotcha. Now, a long-running story I have been fascinated with for some time on this show is uh, what Ken Ray has started to call Apple's new China, which is India. Um, (laughs) And every month there's a couple of stories here of stuff evolving. And again, this month there has been a lot going on. So the Indian government has approved a bunch of very important Apple suppliers to get uh, some Pretty good kickbacks for manufacturing stuff in India, specifically Foxtron, Whist, sorry, Foxconn, Wistron, and Pegatron. And there, you know, that's a big deal for Apple uh, stuff. Three Transformers, right? Yeah, they, they certainly are. They, they have to end in on. I, I think that's a rule. <laughs> yeah. You can't be a tech company yeah. without ending in on. Um. Also, a nice deal uh, for Diwali, uh, where you can get uh, a free pair, a free pair of AirPods when you buy an iPhone 11. Um, Apple also adding engraving options for India, which is nice, nice little touch. I recently just got a new pair of uh, AirPods, and it was nice to be able to have my initials engraved into the front of the charging case, so that there will never be any doubt as to which ones are mine. <laughs> yeah, those ones you don't really. Uh 
trade back as as much so it, yeah. it feels it feels better cuz i i tend not to do that with ipads iphones i don't know can you even do that with an iphone i can't remember uh but you ipads etc you can now yeah, I haven't tried it in a long time because it lowers the potential value if you do yeah. choose to exchange it. Or in my case, I tend to hand them down to family. And obviously, you know, not everybody has the initials MDS in the family. So it can yeah. be a little confusing. But with the with AirPods, I think that that makes sense. Uh, and the Apple Pencil as well. Um, that, you know, is is one that can be kind of a little cute thing to make your Apple Pencil yours. And it's just, practical like if, if you're in an apple sort of a house or an apple sort of work environment it it actually is genuinely useful to know who's who's is who's yeah and uh potentially it is also sanitary to know who's is who's yeah less so for the pencil unless you're a pencil chewing kind of person or maybe it's oh lord in your ears god only knows um but yes uh, for, for the airpods it is definitely better to keep your own things that go in your ears <laughs> keep your own definitely please um all of this seems to be working quite well for apple um according to some researchers they sold eight hundred thousand iphones in india in q2 which is not bad going at all and uh, apparently again apple won't give us these numbers so we're, we're sort of relying on analysts but apparently iphone 12 pro and 12 broke uh, pre-order records in india actually that might have come from apple themselves now that i think about it let me check that story quickly no trade sources so no not from apple themselves but still, you know, it would appear that Apple's efforts at focusing on India are paying off, which is good. Moving on quickly to legal latest, my least favorite section of the show. Um, <laughs> Apple are being sued in Russia because music piracy apps exist on iOS, apparently, and the major record labels are holding Apple responsible for that. It's kind of an interesting one, but there we go. And yeah, the- I- I was just going to say, I, th- I think this one is a little interesting because of the way that uh, other countries might look to uh, the the bigger players in the space and use that to inform their decisions. And so you have a win in Russia and suddenly you start to have a win in some of the other countries. So I think that this is something that even if we don't find too interesting uh certainly i'm sure apple is looking at this very closely and seeing how it plays out it's kind of interesting that the 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 companies involved are like sony music entertainment universal music why are they going to russia they obviously think they're going to get a somehow an advantageous ruling from the russian courts rather than going precisely or america or whatever it's an interesting one yeah Yeah, it's a little sneaky yeah i think Sorry, <laughs> that was my boy barreling in. <laughs> this is the modern world, right? It's amazing how many people's pets I now know from work. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Did sorry. you want to chime in, yeah. Simon? Or uh, yeah, well, I was going to say, I, I think it's fairly obvious that if you're talking, you know, we're not talking about Russian companies or even East European companies. We're talking, you know, the world players. So I can only assume, like uh, Micah, that they're um, that they're assuming the Russian courts are going to be um, more favourable to them than perhaps the US. And then you take that precedent as leverage, and then you go to the other countries. Yes, uh, you know, um, 
I, th- I think that's the only reason I could see that you would approach Russia. Maybe the Russians have a dimmer view of Apple than. Um, well, I mean, uh, you know, Some from others. other stories, they, you know, they they want Apple to give them thirty three percent of cut of stuff. So the, there's a lot of stuff going on in Russia that's not particularly pro foreign company. That is true, especially not foreign American company. But to have two American com- or to have three American companies fighting it out in a Russian court is very bizarre. But there we there we are. <laughs> um, American companies fighting it out in an American court. Then we return to the never ending case of Apple v Vernet X. Um, Last we met in our story, Apple were definitely guilty of violating the patents, which have since been invalidated, but the jury still had to pick an amount of money to give, that Apple should pay Vernet X. Uh, Apple said, oh, I think 113 million sounds about right, and Vernet X said, 700 million, please, and the jury said, have 503. So, closer to what Vernet X wanted, I guess. Um, Apple have immediately said that they are going to appeal largely because the patents involved have been invalidated. So this all seems like a complete waste of everyone's time to me. I, I would hate to be a jury on jury service about a patent that doesn't really exist anymore. It just seems so silly. <laughs> but hey, what can you do? There we go. In terms of HR and acquisition news, very little happened in October. Apple acquired a Spanish firm called uh, Violinks, I'm going to say. Seems about right. Uh, they are yeah. an AI company with a, if you excuse the pun, focus on making video more searchable, which just sounds right up Apple's AOR, etc. street. So I'm sure that their brains are what they were bought for more than anything else. Yeah, it's always hard to know exactly where uh, the, the acquisition... Well, I shouldn't say always, because sometimes it's quite clear. But uh, this one, you know, this could go multiple ways and in fact may go multiple ways. The technology can be used in a bunch of different places. And, you know, iMore points out one thing is making, as I was just talking about, using Google Photos for search instead of Apple's own for search, uh, if it could improve search in photos. But, you know, we've heard this story about Apple working on a, a search engine or improving its own search functionality. So anything that it can do to improve upon that, I think is helpful, especially if you could say something like, uh, you know, hey, dear friend, uh, <laughs> I know I shot a video where my dog uh, runs toward a ball. Can you show me that? And then it's able to pop something up with that. I, that that maybe specific use case is not all too important, but I could certainly see some uh, some functionality in the future where you can li- limit video to certain uh, subjects and things like that. Should be cool. Yeah, it sounds like it could be useful in so many areas of what Apple does. So you can see why they would want to hire. Basically, I think a lot of these are like aqua hires, right? You don't really care about their current products. You want their current brains. Um, bring them on board. Exactly. Yeah, with the Google search uh, gent and some of these more recent acquisitions, it does feel more brain related than uh, maybe the the product itself. Yeah. It's certainly very different to when they acquired Beats. <laughs> yes, that was all about the hardware there. <laughs> oh, and and uh, frankly, about the music subscription service too. Yes, yes, that's true. That's true. I I always thought personally that I didn't think Apple were necessarily particularly bothered about the the whole Beats hardware thing. I think 
I always felt that they were more interested in the music execs, you know, Jimmy Iovine and the various other people who came with the Beats acquisition. Because so in terms of getting you know, deals and stuff, because they basically bought insiders. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't long after they'd acquired Beats that, you know, the whole Apple Music thing started to get rolling. And it, it always seemed to me that the point there was to get hold of music industry insiders to give them leverage. True, but no, I mean, that's, I think that's a really, that's, that's an astute point given the, ability that that i mean you know jimmy has since kind of uh stepped away and of course uh dr dre has and i think that um you look at what apple's doing now and how it has shaped apple's uh the the different beats one channels that they have uh, all of those hosts and then they just recently launched the uh music video service that's like old school mtv and all of those kind of play in this space. So yeah, if you can, it's interesting to acquire the handshake, the secret handshakes that they needed uh, in order to get into this space in a big way. So I guess what can they buy? Um, oh, I, I don't know, Lionsgate, and then become a huge player in the the movie production space. It's an interesting idea. I, I do have to say though, they haven't given that the hardware does seem to have been important to them because they, I mean, that they, they put their W one chips and their cool stuff into the Beats lines as well. So it's not like they've just been letting that rot on the vine, and it's almost like they get to use Beats for things that just wouldn't fit the Apple brand. So they get to have their cake and eat it and do fun hip stuff on the Beats brand and be you know, Apple-y on the Apple brand. You shall have white headphones. That is, that is, <laughs> that is your only choice. Um, moving on then to Apple original content. Uh, so as we've already hinted at, or not just hinted at, we've just already said, we're all getting an extra three months on our free year of Apple TV+. Plus. Any of us who bought a device last year, this is purely a COVID thing. Apple, re- I am convinced Apple would love us all to have been watching season two of The Morning Show and For All Mankind and all other big tent- tentpole shows about a month ago, I would imagine, was when they were aiming for. And that obviously hasn't happened because everything went on pause in March. So it makes sense to push this out for three more months so that uh, we get hooked again just in time for the bill to come due. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot with the different shows that I've been watching and going how, you know, you binge watch a show and you think, when's the next season going to come out because of everything that's going on? And that just keeps hitting me over and over and over again. So, yeah, you wanted to give folks a taste of of what this service could provide, but then now folks can't be together uh, safely and they're just now figuring out how to do that safely. So yeah, this makes total sense and is definitely, I think, I think some people will read it just as a, you know, the service is not successful and it's not doing well. So Apple's trying to give more time, but I think Bart that you're reading is, is much more accurate of, of what's really going on. Yeah, it's 2020, folks. You know, it's, this isn't a case of, oh, sugar, it isn't going well. It's, it needs to be juiced. This is a case of this year isn't going well for humanity. We're just a bit behind. <laughs> uh, and they're busy. So in terms of stuff that's in development, so stuff that we don't even have a release date on, right? This is just stuff Apple is working on. All of these stories I'm about to read broke in October. 
So Apple orders fashion documentary The Supermodels, natural history series Earth Sound coming to Apple TV Plus, Apple TV Plus show Matters of the Air picks up Carrie Fukun. Oh, I should have pre-read that. Carrie Fukunaga to direct three episodes. Kira Knightley unfortunately has had to leave uh, X uh, Essex Serpent. Not good news. All that's a good news though. Uh, Kate Hudson is co-star in season two of Truth Be Told. Apple TV Plus is getting new Peanuts specials. Lots of, lots of happiness about that one. Uh, Ted mm-hmm. Lasso is getting not just a season two. We already knew that. They're getting a season three. And we haven't seen season Yay. two yet. Um, Apple has landed The Velvet Underground from Oscar-nominated Todd Hines. Uh, Scarlett Johansson will produce and star in Bridge. Uh, cast and production start date set for Apple TV Plus drama Pachinko. Uh, Doug Unplugs is a kid series that's coming to Apple TV on November 13th. That should have been in the upcoming releases segment below. Uh, <laughs> Comedy Platonic starring Rose Byrne and Seth Rogen is coming to Apple TV. John Stewart is coming back to television and he's doing it on Apple TV Plus. I am so excited about that. Uh, Tiaka uh, we oh I should have pre-read some of these for uh, pronunciation oh ta- that's uh, Taika Waititi is going to co-write and direct Time Bandits as a series uh, which is definitely going to be fun and John Torturo joins Adam Scott in the Apple thriller Severance so all of that is in the works um, wow and I just need to read back a bit so last week's on last month's show Everyone on the panel said, Bart, you absolutely have to watch Ted Lasso. Trust me, mm-hmm. I know you don't like sports ball. It's not about sports ball. It's just got lots of heart. And I mm-hmm. grudgingly went, fine, I'll give it a go. Yeah, I ended up binge watching it over three days and staying up yes. far too late. <laughs> yes, I love that. I'm so glad. I'm glad you liked it. It's really... Utterly it sucked in. It, just, it's it so got me. Good. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I'm very cautious whenever you sort of see that that uh, wave of people like you got to watch this, you got to watch this, because it tends to kind of you your expectations get set too high, or at least mine do, mm. and so then I end up getting disappointed. Uh, I tried to go into this with not letting those expectations fall, but you really can't help it. So I was expecting a lot from it, and to actually have that met was delightful and the show is just touching it's sweet it's uh it's real it it's, it's yeah real. it's real because in the first episode you are lulled into thinking that what you have is a bunch of caricatures right paper thin mm-hmm. mustache twirling villain characters little angel characters but no none of them it turns out are their caricatures there is depth to all of the characters we meet, they are all fully rounded out humans by the end of it. I just love that because I was convinced that the, you know, the, the lady running the team and her henchmen were, were just, <laughs> you know, paper thin villains. But no, when we see, I won't ruin too much, but when we see him playing the double bass with his goatee later, that I love that. And it turns out evil boss woman is, is a fully rounded person. Um, yes. It's it's so well done. And seeing Giles as a villain is genuinely delightful because I think he takes so much fun in playing a bad guy. <laughs> and he does it so it, well. It was, a, it was a, uh, like you, I was sceptical at first because, you know, I 
I don't follow football. I can't really be, you know, in the least bit motivated by football or soccer, as, uh, you know, some listeners would know it. <laughs> um, but rather like Mythic Quest had basically nothing really to do with a games development company. Um, Ted Lasso really has nothing to do with football. It's merely a, a convenient peg on which to hang the action. Um, yeah, it's a setting like, you know, oh, that show happens to be set in London. It's like that show happens to be set in a football club. It's not what it's about. Exactly. Yeah, it's not, a you know, they, they make use of the of the background occasionally to, you know, pull the pull the strings or direct the the plot slightly. But that's that's, that's it. not really it's a it's a purely a human story of interaction between a, a bunch of people. Um yeah. And I'd like, you know, I was wary at first. I thought, well, everybody keeps telling me how good it is, so I'll go and watch it and I'll I'll give it a go. A bit like you, I thought, well, I'll give it a go and see what happens. Well, yeah, halfway through the first episode, I was thinking, this is very good. And by the time I was into the second episode, it's like we're hooked. We're hooked. <laughs> yeah, and I, like I, you, I've been told, you know, and, you know, I was well hooked before three episodes. Yeah. And um, not necessarily suitable for children. Um, all that, anyway, as long as you don't mind the, you know, if you if your children are old enough to understand a bit of bad language, uh, maybe it's okay. But there is a certain that is the one footbally bit of it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that yes, is a very uh, accurate reflection of what I think of British soccer fans sometimes. <laughs> yes, yeah. you know, um, and without getting too far into it, the, the bunch in the pub, the club supporters oh in, my goodness. in the pub are such a classic group. You know, they're incredibly volatile. One minute they hate him um, and then, you know, something goes right and all of a sudden he's the greatest manager they've ever had. You know, it's um, it's very, very representative of the fans of the uh, British football teams, I think. Yes, they're a little they're bit, um, you know, they're a bit like a weather vane. <laughs> yeah, you're either in or you're out. Yes. There's kind of no, there's no in between. But there we are. I, no, I a brilliant show. Assuming that in the states, the peanuts is a gigantic big deal. I know there was a lot of crankiness that the peanuts specials were going off broadcast television, but Apple are actually making them available for free on the actual holidays. So I don't know why people have been so cranky. Yeah, I I think I think it's siloed content gets people upset and I understand that um it it smacks a little of the the Disney vault in the same way that it's kind of it's it, but the I guess the Disney vault is even worse because of course that content goes away and it stays away but mm-hmm. it does have that vibe of you know these were things that were broadcast you didn't have to sort of go looking for them they were just there I, and there's a lot of fond memories too uh, of me flipping through the television seeing a peanuts special on and staying and watching it whereas this is you've got to go to the right place to find it and although it's available for free it still does feel more locked away and a one company kind of purchasing this and and holding on to it is a little it's it's concerning I think in just sort of in the the base uh, level, in the same way HBO getting Sesame Street, that has weird. That's there's weirdness to that as well. So I get the concern there, but I certainly agree that the fact that it's available for free is awesome. And for me, as a person with a, an Apple TV and with no cable subscription or anything like that, 
I've got it right there. In fact, I've seen the huge promos. Uh, so I can just, you know, click on that as Thanksgiving comes around and watch the, the peanuts special. But I will miss the waking up in the morning super early on Thanksgiving to watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and then watching an episode of Charlie Brown uh, that's all about Thanksgiving. Yeah, but I guess the the upside is you can put it on whenever you want, so you don't have to have the kids in a certain place at a certain time. It's just on demand. That's true. That's true. Fair. Yeah. And then for me, I just think it's a huge, huge deal that Apple, apparently, rumor has it they were going up against HBO to get him, but the fact that Apple got Jon Stewart, I mean, that that's huge to me. It's, it's, it's There's no title for the show even, but it's going to be hour-long sim- single-issue episodes at some sort of unknown frequency. Whatever it is, I, I want to see it. <laughs> You're ready for that one for sure. Yeah. Um, for me, Taika Waititi, he is the, uh, he, I mean, just just a brilliant mind, but also the director of Thor Ragnarok, which among the Marvel films, I think was my favorite. It was funny. It was different. It was sort of unique. Um, and next to Black Panther is certainly one of my favorites. He's also uh, one of the producers. I can't remember if he was the director of, uh, but the one of the lead characters in my favorite mockumentary, which is What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, and there's a television oh, show now, right? That, Just, that oh, so good. And that was kind of the thing that made me realize Taika was so awesome. Um, and then to go from that and make the show What We Do in the Shadows, where he is uh, in charge of production there. Um, and then he's going to be doing Star Wars stuff soon. I think he is uh, just a gem and he so so I'm very much looking forward to frankly anything he produces because uh, it's been hit after hit for me with the stuff that he makes. Cool. Just want to keep an eye out for then. Um, in terms of stuff that we know when it's actually arriving, as I already mentioned by mistake, uh, Doug Unplugged is coming in uh, November the 13th. That's a kids show. Uh, we have Dickinson season two arriving on January 8th. We have Werner Herzog's Fireball, Visitors from Outer Space. That's gotten itself a nice trailer. I am very much looking forward to that. Um, Servant, season two, we have for January 15th. Um, Becoming You, uh, November 13th. Um, We also have a new documentary about that. Um, And Apple have released a trailer for Wolfwalkers, which is due on December 11th. So there is stuff starting to come out. But the list of stuff with dates is a lot shorter than the list of stuff. So it's yes, it is. Um, and you know, just to go with what you said earlier, I think that might be a large part of why Apple have extended their, mm-hmm. you know, their free. Um, yeah, Servant you know, and Dickinson free... in particular there stand out as as shows they really want to have season two out before people's bill comes due. Yes, I, I think. Um, I, I think it. I said this on my show when we were talking about it. I think at the moment, if you talk to a lot of people, you know, would you be prepared to pay this, you know, five dollars, five pounds, whatever it is? Um, and they're kind of, I don't know. There are a few things on there I like, but is it enough to be worth paying for? And I thought, right, I, then this three month extension was rumored. Then it became a you know a real thing and i thought yeah i can see this being because apple are lining up a lot of compelling content over the next three months effectively and if they get that rolled out it's going to look like a much more compelling 
you know, ask. And I also think um, they've timed it so that the Apple One bundle becomes established as well in that window and people are going to find it a lot less difficult to justify saying, oh, well, if I'm going to pay for that and I'm already paying for Apple Music, then, yeah, well, I might as well have the bundle and sign up to that and, you know, that's all good for Apple. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, we have stuff that actually came out. Um, so Gorilla's Apple Music show came out on October 19th. Um, as Mike has already mentioned, we have Apple Music TV, actual music on an actual TV channel like MTV once was. <laughs> only no ads. <laughs> Unfortunately, this one's US only. So uh, you're the only one who gets to play along, Micah. Uh, oh, no. I'm sure it'll roll it out to more places soon, but Ireland is probably far down the list. The UK have more of a chance, but uh, yeah. Apple surprised everyone by releasing the Bruce Springsteen documentary early. Um, That is definitely on my list to watch. And On the Rocks with Bill Murray and Rashida Jones has also been released on Apple TV+. Have you watched that one yet? I have not uh, had the time yet to watch it, but I definitely plan on it. I, I'll be honest, it's it's not made my short list, but my short list is for too long. <laughs> I I haven't, and I have to say a bit like uh, Bar. It's not really high on my list of watches, but I did watch the Bruce Springsteen documentary the other night, and that was um, I found that very good, cool. very you know. I have the album on my listening list for next week during work. Um, uh, so I'll listen to the album and then I'll watch the documentary. I think probably wise. Yeah. Apple have picked up an engineering Emmy for the Apple ProRes video codec. Nice. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, sorry. I just, it's funny thinking about this, just imagining, uh, the conversation happening there when it's just, uh, and now we would like to celebrate this. Now, how does this go? Uh, the ProRes video codec. Um, I, I realize that there is an engineer engineering section every year, but it, I don't know. There's just something about codecs getting awards that I enjoy. I think it's great, but it's also kind of hilarious to me. I think it's just a press release, so I don't think there's actually like a, a big room with t- round tables and fancy. Oh, that's this. Okay, well, in my head, there is. <laughs> Someone went because... up on stage and thanked their mommy and their daddy and Jesus. Yes, I need <laughs> yeah. that joy in my life. And so in my head, that's exactly what happened. There was, in fact, they had to start playing the music because the person was going on too long. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, thank you to, uh, what's, the, what's the coffee that Americans are all obsessed with? You know, thank you to such and such coffee for all the late nights I was sat there. <laughs> exactly. Whatever the current fad is, code. cold pressed or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Apple are also giving away three months of Apple Arcade with the purchase of new devices. Um, Disney have announced Apple Music playlists and radio stations. Uh, people in Germany, the United Kingdom and little old Ireland can now listen to Apple podcasts on their Amazon Echo and Fire TV devices. Um Apple TV Plus have joined the ACE, which is an anti-piracy group. I guess that makes sense when you're an original content creator now. Uh, The PS5 will support Disney Plus, Apple TV and Netflix at launch, which is good that Apple TV gets to make the list. Uh, Sony? uh, For what it's it's worth, I believe the Apple TV app is now rolling out for the PS4 as well. 
Oh, yeah, that's that had, true. Yep. That had not made my radar. That is a nice piece of extra info. Thank you. Sony are adding Apple TV to a bunch of their latest 4K TVs. And uh, I think definitely related news, Disney are finally letting people have 4K HDR in iTunes for all those movies we've bought over the years. So that's it's all good. I am going to move us on into our main stories. We have just three, but that is more than enough to keep us entertained. Um, first, we're going to have a quick look at Apple's Q4 2020 earnings call. Then I'm going to jump us over to what I'm just calling the antitrust kerfuffle update because I really can't think of a better title. <laughs> but it's a whole bunch of related stories that sort of kind of revolve around Epic-ish. Um, it, it, it's a thing, but I really don't know what to call it. But it is definitely a thing. And then we will focus on Apple's high-speed event, which was definitely the uh, most dramatic news of the month. So let's get stuck into the earnings call. Uh, Personally, I don't find these even half as enjoyable since Apple have stopped giving us anything apart from monetary values and no more sale no more unit sales and stuff i just find these quite tedious bottom line apple made lots of money more than apple promised they would make more than the market thought they would make record-breaking quarter mac and ipad revenue massively up despite the fact that we all know the macs are about to be replaced with apple silicon the best mac quarter ever in the history of apple and the chances are there's quite a lot of this to do with the whole covid working from home thing um all PC sales grew, but the Mac grew twice as much as everything else. So twice as much as the market as a whole. Uh, revenue, $64.7 billion. Earnings per share, $0.73. Cent. I think that sort of covers the big stuff. Yeah, I, I'm with you on this. Uh, these earnings calls kind of being, they are what they are. Um, it's not a surprise the surprise that happens every time when they sort of go over what estimates are. Um, It tends to be, I think the one thing that I found interesting about the earnings call was their choice to announce during the earnings call that they would be releasing Apple one the following day. Hmm. Um, I think it was Luca Maestri who was the, the one who actually said it first, there was a question from an analyst and he responded with the answer of of them uh, rolling it out. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting and different uh, from Apple's typical move, which is to just say, we don't talk about upcoming products. That's and not very strange. So it wasn't in the prepared remarks. Yeah, no, it happened during the analyst question part. So I... That, like I said, that's interesting. That's different. That's not, uh, that, that is atypical. Um, but I guess because it was going to be happening the next day, um, I thought it was interesting that Luca that, did it. I wonder how that went. Did like, Tim Cook say, if you happen to be asked, it's all right to tell them, or is Luca Maestri in serious trouble? I know. That's <laughs> all I could think about the whole time. Wow. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen an exec do that. That must have been prearranged. That, that's oh, oh, hold on. I wanted to, I wanted to confirm um because there this is what happens whenever you um whenever you get the the news from uh some some social media posts uh so i've gone to imor's transcription of the event mm-hmm. um and it looks like wait now i've lost it i thought i saw tim cook mention yeah yeah okay so 
in Tim Cook's opening remarks, he actually does say, uh, an Apple One launching tomorrow is the easiest way for users to enjoy uh, Apple services. So I think probably what happened is whoever I was reading that from on social media didn't hear Tim Cook say that in the beginning. And so they thought the first time that it was announced was when Luca Maestri announced it during the the responses. So scratch that. Tim Cook, still during the earnings call, though, um, did release this information, which an earnings call is not typically the place where they do uh, consumer-facing news. So regardless of where it yeah. came from, I still think that it's interesting that they chose to announce it there first. It is, but at least at least, we're, at least we know Luca isn't in big trouble. <laughs> exactly. Luca's not in trouble. <laughs> yeah. He's not in Johnny Ives' white room that yeah. they just have for people who have timeouts now since Johnny's gone. <laughs> um, what also caught my eye, so the iPhone didn't do as well, but uh, it seems to be supply constrained. And also the fact that the, new, the iPhone 12s missed this quarter. So that that sort of means you'd expect them to go to go low anyway. So if Apple had a blowout quarter and they were there was constraints on the supply chain, that's interesting. And the only other quote that seemed to make any headlines is to me stating the blindingly obvious that we'll never go back to a world without contactless payments, says Tim Cook. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why would we roll yeah. that back? Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is there anything more we need to say about these earnings, or does that really kind of sum it up? Not really. I mean, the only sort of fly in the ointment as it were was that the you know sales of iphone in china were down but because the chinese are very big on you know having the the new you know the new phone um <laughs> and when i was I, I was talking to ben baharan um on my show i had a had him as a special guest Ooh, um congrats yes that, good guest yes yes very uh very honoured to have him on. Um, but we were talking about this and we were both of the same opinion that because the iPhone launch is later than usual um, and the Chinese are very big on the new phone and the two big kind of gifting events in China, which are Singles Day, which is sort of their equivalent of Valentine's to some extent, mm-hmm. and the Chinese New Year, um, fall in the next quarter that you know these are not lost it, it'll average out yeah yeah they're they're yeah, deferred they're, 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 not lost yeah they are deferred sales um it's simply that people are waiting you know particularly in china people will not buy on the whole i'm not saying they don't but you know culturally they would prefer to wait for a new phone yeah. so are holding on also apparently according to ben the in you know, renewal cycle in, in china is extending um because they had a very fast renewal cycle apparently in china chinese consumers be changing their phones every 18 months or so um and that's now definitely stretching faster out. than average yeah yeah they're very big on you know they're very big on having the newest phones yeah. um but yeah uh, also as Ben said, you know, you cannot look at Apple really quarter to quarter because even though they are now adding services and a whole load of other things as kind of baseline income, they still have a huge cycle driven by product releases. So, you know, they'll have a huge quarter when a new product comes out and then it will drop down and then there'll be a new, you know, then maybe the Macs will come out, they'll have another big quarter. So you have to average their earnings out over you know, at least a year yeah, to get any kind of 
idea. But there you go. That's the only other, that was the only other point that kind of caught my eye in that. And of course, yes, they did blindingly well, which is <laughs> surprise, 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 surprise. And then, of course, apparently, after they did blindingly well, their shares went down because why would they not? You know? Well, as Linda would be reminding us, if she were here. Yeah, it's basically, all about feet. You, yeah, the, you sell on the good news. You sell on, oh, Apple did well. Sell. <laughs> the stock market is not exactly. an expression of how well the company is doing. It's a way no, of making money. Not, not it's, the same exactly. Thing. There we go. Moving on to what I am calling the antitrust kerfuffle update, just because I really couldn't think of a better name. Um, not a whole bunch has happened in Apple v Epic, but that is definitely the background driving a lot of this. So just to say that uh, Judge Gonzalez Rogers did release a 39-page judgment, basically just putting on firmer footing her preliminary judgments. She is continuing to allow Apple to keep uh, Fortnite out of the App Store because, uh, I'll quote her briefly, in short, Epic Games cannot simply exclaim Monopoly to rewrite agreements giving itself unilateral benefit. Yeah, no bleep. Uh, yes, and uh, uh, I think that I think it was in October, was it not? Where she also effectively said your your filing is basically a crock of horse manure, and she was quite harsh on them. Yes, as we talked about in the last, I believe show. it was described as excoriating. Um, that is, yes, that is a word I saw, which I love. It's a wonderful word. You tend not to hear that about that random people, word. but judges judges tend to be excoriating. I wish yes. they would use that word more. Actually, no, maybe it's good to keep it where it is so that it has that impact. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but, and also uh, yeah. Epic continue to be Epic. Um, as part of Discovery, they now want Steve Jobs and Tim Cook's email, please. It's like, okay. <laughs> Fine. Not really sure what, you know, was it nine years now since... Yeah, what's going on there? What's going on is they're looking, they want something to be able to have a media splash because that's really all they're doing. This whole thing has been played as a game, right? They had the bloody 1984 ad ready to go before they pulled their stunt of having self-updating code. And the legal proceedings were, you know, ready to file. Yeah, this whole thing has been a game. Like, uh, you know, I call you out, sir. Well, stuff you and here's a rib <laughs> I just happen to have in my pocket you know I call you out sir and then you throw down the white glove or yeah. like you smack somebody with the white glove you throw down the gauntlet yeah, and, stuff. yeah. And, this, and, and then they you know pull the writ from their pocket and throw it down on top of the glove and go yeah. <laughs> take that Ha ha! <laughs> yeah. Judge, I believe that is a touche. Indeed. <laughs> exactly. Uh, obviously, driving all of this is subscription gaming, right? That is very central to all of this. So, and my, Epic my. are not the only people involved in subscription gaming. So, it's interesting that we've had a bunch of other developments in October related to that concept. So, there was a third party developer who had written a, a an app that used WebKit and combined it with uh, GameKit in such a way that you could play Google Stadia games on iOS. And Apple booted that app from the App Store because they say that the way that WebKit was extended to use GameKit broke their rules. And that did not make the developer very happy. And I don't know if I have a strong opinion one way or the other, but it's interesting that the web using a web hack has not worked there. And yet, the newly designed Xbox app is officially available for iOS, uh, and that has Xbox Remote Play. So that's not the same 
as a subscription gaming service because the game is running on your Xbox and you're only sort of VNCing, for want of a better term, um, into yes, the Xbox game. Um, so it's an interesting loophole. And Pete, um, if you have a PS4, um, there's a PS Now app which does the same thing, which has been available for, I don't know, at least a year, which does the same thing. Um, but yes, you're basically playing, you're streaming from your own PS to your iOS device. Xbox, Xbox. Anyway. Well, yeah, but the P, there's a PS app that does the same thing called PS Now, I think. Ah. Or PS, whatever. There, there's an app that does the same thing and it's been available for a while. And that basically, they don't break the rules because you're not... Yeah, remote desktop playing, is fine. I use, yeah, I, I use remote desktop apps all the time on iOS. No problemo. So, um, in yeah. related news, Microsoft have told their employees they actually do want to get their Xbox Game Pass service onto iOS. Um, so we shall see how that works out for them. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amazon have started signing up people uh, for their early access to their Luna gaming service, and they are getting it onto iOS. But on iOS, it is a web app, whereas it's a native app on Android and other platforms. Uh, Facebook Cloud Games have launched, but they have not made it to iOS. And meanwhile, uh, PlayStation have updated their app for Android and iOS. Um, Now, maybe I'm wrong about this. I understood that this app didn't let you play games, but maybe it does. Uh, But either way, what they've updated is basically account management and stuff. So I didn't get the impression this update involved the change in how you play games. So I guess it's not that relevant to the Epic conversation. This is all kind of, I think it, it, yeah, it fits into the, the antitrust in the sense of this streaming games future that we're going to have, uh, where you have the idea and the hope is that you have any device around you and you kind of connect to a server that has all the power on it and does the, the, the processing stuff. So you're essentially streaming like a YouTube video that you are interacting with. Um, it's the future. And I, I really do feel like that is where gaming is going to go. And so if that is where gaming is going to go, uh, and frankly, even other things, we see virtualization of of work computers, um, virtualization in the uh, in the the what is it, the graphics space, and I'm talking like movie graphics, um, Hollywood uh, computer graphics is what I was trying to get to, couldn't get there. Um, all of this continues to happen and it's being pushed forward by COVID-19 uh, in improving and increasing the need for this virtualization. And so Apple, I really feel here, needs to get its ducks in a row on the rules that it has because I I feel it's kind of holding out on a thing that is just, it's going, it's inevitable at this point. Yeah. And and it, it's, it's, you know, folks are eventually going to start to feel for that uh, glove on the ground with the writ on top of it. You know, they're going to go, actually, I agree. Here, 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 here. And everybody suddenly is on board and they're against Apple because Apple doesn't let them play the game that they want to play on their iOS device. And of course, there's more behind it. But from the face of it, it's going to start to look like that. And so I really want them to get this figured out. You know, Amazon, in its announcement of Luna, uh, made it very clear that it worked very closely with Safari engineers to make this game, uh, this streaming game service, cloud gaming service work very well. So Apple and Amazon collaborated 
in there in that space to make sure that it was going to work on iOS devices. And Amazon and Apple uh, recently sort of ended their disagreements where now the Apple TV is available on uh, Amazon's store and Amazon Prime Videos uh, is tied in with, with Apple TV and there's all this back and forth. And so then you see Amazon is uh, getting direct access to Safari developers and meanwhile, Xbox and Google are having trouble, excuse me, getting their services to work. And whether it is actually the truth that there are antitrust concerns there is kind of secondary to the way that it all looks. And I think that that is important and it's something they need to be paying attention to. Yeah, couldn't agree more. My pet theory on this or my, my pet prognostication is that Apple's problem is they see games as apps, and I think games are content. A game is like a movie, is like a podcast, is like a song. And if, from a practical security point of view, you need to put some extra protections in place to make that work, then put the extra protections in. Put the games in a sandbox to end all sandboxes. No access to location services, no access to advertising identifiers. You know, lock them, lock them right the way down if you must, but start to treat gaming services like you do netflix and the problem just evaporates i think you're completely got the nail on the head there um you know if you if you treat games as applications and i guess i can see why apple might look at it that way because you know ios games are obviously individual apps well, as it stands been. now, those games can do anything any app can do, which means they can invade your privacy and all sorts of stuff. So and, Apple just needs to make that things, yes. technologically not possible, and then they can start to treat them as media because your movie can't hack your iPhone and spy on you, but a game could. So, you know, yes. fire a wallet, I mean, sandbox it. Even, even, of course, if you say, okay, we're going to treat streaming games as different from... But they are, they are, Simon, right? The streaming yes, games of course they are, exactly. But I'm saying and that's why. at the moment, Apple don't appear to be looking at them as a in a different right. manner. Right. And I, I think Bart is right. You have to start looking at things which are being streamed, and then it doesn't matter. Is it a movie? Is it music? Is it a podcast? Is it an interactive game? It doesn't matter. It's being streamed to you from somewhere else. And as long as... You know, then you treat it as media, and then, as Bart says, a large amount of these problems simply vanish. Yeah. I am going to speed us on a little because we're running a little longer than I had intended. I don't like these shows to get too too twit length, if you'll excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Got (laughs) him. So, as well as the background stuff with the epic court case and the, the problem of the fact that Streaming games are the future and Apple are just not on board with it yet. That is obviously a tension that is just going to keep causing news for months to come. There is actual genuine antitrust investigations around planet Earth going on as well. So probably the most substantial story uh, is that uh, the US, the Democratic congressional staff, have spent 16 months investigating the large tech companies for antitrust and they produced a fairly... Knock them dead if you dropped it on them report. Um, The four companies they were focusing on were Amazon, Facebook, Apple and Google. And they basically decided that they all should be broken up. 
And the very concept that you can group those four companies with utterly different uh, business models into the one anything and pronounce the one remedy for them is nuts to me. But what do I know? Um, Apple, needless to say, think the whole thing is nuts. Um, and I guess to sort of put some context on it, uh, Apple had a bumper. You know, what, what really got the focus was Apple's App Store and they made 18 billion on it in Q3. And they have now filed a filing with the U.S. Federal Trade Commission warning investors that if they're forced to change their App Store fees, it would materially impact their financial results. Yeah, no bleep. 18 billion's <laughs> worth of material. Yeah, we are. So I don't know if this report, it made a lot of headlines, but ultimately it's a report from congressional Democratic staff it's so, 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 so far from any sort of actual implementation. It just seems to me to be posturing rather than real. But anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> what I is... say, I, I, there's not much to say about it. I mean, it's a, it, it, it's a bit like uh, in this country, you know, it would be some parliamentary subcommittee white paper, which is, you know, a yeah. long, long way before anybody, you know, that then has to be assessed and gone over and, you know, probably two years before anything relating to it would become anywhere near legislation. Or infinity, so, so, like, because what it's yes, in my or, or cynical, be, you know, cynical view, <laughs> politicians want to be able to say they have done something and this is something. Now let us move on. Yes, seem to be doing something. It's, uh, you know. Now, what is much more concrete, right, not coming from Senate Democratic staff, but coming from actual lawyers, the US Department of Justice have filed an actual court case against Google on antitrust. And the reason it's in these show notes is because tangentially it does actually impact on Apple because one of the specific issues that the case revolves around is Google paying other companies to be the default so as to stomp out competition. And one of the other companies Google pay vast wadges of cash to is Apple. And thanks to this lawsuit, we now know that Google pay Apple 12 billion with a B dollars every year. So while we see these really impressive numbers for Apple services, 12 billion of those are coming from Google to be the default search provider for iOS, Safari, etc. So that is highly substantial. And that's an interesting place to put into context. The, 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 I'm going to call them rumours. I don't think there's nearly as much wood behind this arrow as the Financial Times think. But there was a report from the Financial Times saying that Apple are developing a full-on search engine. And I think they're just giving Siri a little bit more brains. I don't think Apple are trying to be the next Google. But I may be proved delightfully wrong. And I hope to be. Hard, hard to say. A lot of people seem to think that Apple, um, you know, Apple would be foolish not to be kind of works. But Apple work on a lot of things for a whole number of reasons, many of which are not actually intended to become product. a product as such. Um, so... I don't know. I mean, a lot of people have said if, if Apple wanted to get out from under that, you know, simply buy DuckDuckGo or something. But A, I don't think that Apple would particularly want to do that. And, of course, they don't have to buy them. They could simply make them to default as long as they're happy to give up their $12 billion a year from Google. They could simply right. make DuckDuckGo the default. But, um, the you know, that's... Billion, like the... 
Apple, uh, Tim Cook's focus on services has, has set up some perverse incentives that I don't like. And one of them is the fact that it incentivizes them to extract as much money as they can from the App Store, resulting in an unlevel playing field for people like Spotify and stuff. And the other incentive is it disincentivizes them from getting rid of this Google deal. And frankly, Apple's stated privacy goals are so, so, so in conflict with this $12 billion deal. It's not funny, but for practical fiscal reasons, they can't just have these $12 billion vanish or it will look like their services business has fallen off a crashed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're because mm. this is a really bad fit. Google is a terrible fit for Apple. But yes, here we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Bizarro Land or France, um, Apple <laughs> has been wow. in Apple is there's an antitrust complaint against Apple in France because they're too private, and it's being driven by the advertising industry who say that Apple's insistence on privacy is anti-competitive. And my head just went poof and exploded. Poof, yeah. But there we go. Boom. (laughs) Meanwhile, Apple is tangentially involved in a German case that's really focused on Amazon, who have this practice of brand gating, where if you are a brand, you can sign up in such a way that all third-party resellers get squished out of Amazon's ecosystem, and you become the only gateway for your brand. And one of the brands that's entered into this kind of an agreement with Amazon is Apple, and the Germans quite frankly, quite rightly, think that that's anti-competitive because the only people who can sell Apple products on Amazon are Apple. That does sound anti-competitive. Kind of agree. I think that's, I think that's totally anti-competitive. And, um, yeah, that is the sort of behaviour which, you know, anti-competition laws are there to prevent, you know, in my view. That should definitely be a case of, uh, no, you can't do that. Meanwhile, surprising the heck out of me, um, the European, the, the EU's anti, antitrust chief has said that, yeah, we could break up big tech, but actually that would be a terrible idea. And it's not that she's pro the large companies, because she isn't, but she's like, that would just have a whole bunch of unintended consequences, be really hard to do, be dragged out in the court for years and result in nothing getting any better for European consumers. Like, so what's the, what's the alternative? Just let it keep going? No. Uh, so uh, this this was sort of, she was sort of asked, basically. I, I presume she was asked because of the report we mentioned first, right? Where the, 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 the Democratic staffers said we should break him up. And her answer is, no, no, no. We actually need to think about this more carefully and have actually meaningful interventions that we are pretty sure won't have horrible unintended side effects. So she uh-huh. she didn't so much say what to do, but more like, no, let's not rush into the obvious giant big hammer. I mean, kind of piece by piece, sort of scalpel instead of hammer. Yeah, that yeah makes sense. I think. I mean, also, um, because I follow Stephen Sinofsky on Twitter because he obviously he's a man who knows what he's talking about. Yes. Um, he has, you know, said, look, we could do, um, and Benedict Evans is in the same sort of uh, field. They're both saying, look, you, you, yeah, you could smash these companies up into bits, um, but what would it actually achieve? Because, you know, look at the whole Microsoft, you know, uh, Explorer debacle, and uh, what did it actually achieve? In the end, bugger all. You know, um, mm, you can argue make... the reason it didn't achieve anything was because it was a change in administration, and all of a sudden it was decided not to follow through. Yeah, but to, I, I also 
Uh, and they didn't break Microsoft Steve Door. Right? They didn't make it up, but no, no, they didn't break Microsoft Door. No, they didn't. I know, but what you're saying is, you know, from his point of view, looking at it, it, it as as this um, antitrust chief is saying, you, you are likely to create as many problems as you solve, if not, you know, more. more. So, yeah, you, you know, we really we need to look at this you know, much more closely, and perhaps we should be thinking about what kind of oversight should we be. Um, applying rather than just going, oh, break them up because you know, break them up makes a great slogan, doesn't it? But it doesn't it's necessarily achieve. Funny, but you much. sound like you're almost quoting her uh, because that's pretty much exactly <laughs> what she said. And also, this notion that the one solution is going to solve Amazon, Facebook, Apple, and Google is, I have, a, as I have already said, yes. nuts. Because <laughs> it's just crazy because they are completely different businesses with completely different. Um, Models and strategies. Yeah, it's everything. You follow the money, and you get the incentives. And when you follow the money in those four companies, you end up in massively different places. Indeed. Uh, obviously, huh, the whole world still has an opinion. Uh, so, lots more criticism of Apple. Uh, Phil Shoemaker, former head of the App Store, was really quite harsh on Apple, excoriating, in fact, saying that Apple's mm-hmm. arbitrary rules and App Store policies are used as a weapon against competitors. And if you are looking at the world from the point of view of a Spotify, I think you would agree with Mr. Shoemaker. Um, Proton Mail, also highly cranky. They're calling Apple's rules mafia extortion. And Microsoft issued some app fairness policies, which basically say, we're doing everything the way we are now. Windows gets to say Windows, and we're going to keep using the Xbox Store just like the App Store. But it's wrong when Apple do it, but it's perfectly fine when we do it because. (laughs) That was a classic. That was a real, um, oh, look, a dead cat because it was kind of, you know, Windows will stay open just like always. Well, so's the Mac OS open. Yeah, and, oh, and the Xbox (laughs) will say closed, but Apple's won't be closed. Yeah, but Apple shouldn't have a closed iOS store, but our Xbox store is. It, it, there's a reason why we're allowed to keep that closed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that just didn't yeah. fly with me. But anyway, it happened. No, there we go. There we are. All right, I'm going to jump us into the the big story of the month, which is Apple's high speed event. Um, I think it was on this show. I said no, speed is quite obviously 5G. Yeah, yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had. Uh, we had the HomePod Mini is what Apple went with first. Um, and I think we should probably do the same, actually. Um, so $99, small little spherical HomePod. You can pair it with another small little spherical HomePod Mini to give you a uh, stereo set. New intercom feature, which is going to work across existing HomePods and pretty much everything apart from the Mac. Um, and Pandora will be available on the HomePod and the HomePod Mini. Uh, as as someone who is in the process of purchasing his first house, where I can finally put in home automation and stuff, this really, really, really interests me because having a home pod as the brains of my automated house sounds very appealing. Yeah, I so I'm really pumped actually about this HomePod Mini. Um, it it seems that it's going to incorporate some some future looking technology uh, in terms of features that will eventually be available and also kind of what you want or need now. I have a HomePod currently and have, you know, have had it for quite a while and I used to use it all the time um, because it really does produce very good sounding 
music and you know podcasts or whatever else you happen to use it for uh since moving to california where it costs a trillion billion d seven dollars to <laughs> live anywhere um i have uh you know, neighbors that are directly to my left and right. I live in a townhouse. And so I've got people touching the walls on the left and right side of me. And because of that, I can't really listen to my HomePod uh, at the volume that I used to because the bass is too good, honestly. And so there's actually a part of me that's very excited about this HomePod Mini having less um, less bass, still having kind of that, that high fidelity sound, um, obviously not as good as the HomePod, but with less rumble because I just, I can't listen to the HomePod very often without feeling very uncomfortable that I'm rattling the frames off of the walls of my neighbors. And so either... I need to uh, move back to Missouri where I had, you know, a, a house with lots of space between me and the people next to me, or I could find something else out. So I'm looking forward to that. But then as a smart home person uh, and having, you know, looked into this or watched this space for a long time, um, another way for folks to add that ability to automate their homes, I think is going to be great. And, I still think there's more to be seen from Apple's U1 chip than just the goofy uh, handoff feature additions that are going to happen. And so I'm looking forward to a room by room, person by person automation setup that without me having to wave my hands in the air so the uh, the you know, motion sensor that I have in the corner of my room knows that I'm still in the room, but instead it's based on my Apple watch that's strapped to my wrist all day. So when I walk into my office, even if I remain very still while I'm doing a podcast, the lights won't randomly turn off. And then as soon as I leave, the lights do turn off because it knows that I'm outside of that room. That is the future that I'm looking for. And I think that the HomePod mini is going to be one of those devices that helps facilitate that future. And I mean, my, from my point of view, I'm a podcast listener, not a music listener. I, you know, it needs to sound fine, but not uber mega. I could listen to the world's most amazing classical music in perfect fidelity. Good. The HomePod was just too much. It just, I, I could not justify it. But this, I am happy to spend $99. Uh, or, I mean, I'm sure it'll be 99 euro when it comes over here. That seems like a fair price for a good quality device that can be the brain around which all of my HomeKit stuff is built. You know, the permanently well, on hub. So this, this was just like, this is what I wanted. You gave me what I wanted. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, you know, the rumors said it was going to be $99. And nearly all of the podcasts I listened to were all going, yeah, $99. Pah, you know, no, $150, you know, $100. $70 maybe um but it was $99 which is you know for apple an incredibly aggressively priced product mm-hmm. um and if you compare it to i mean the new echo uh, the latest amazon echo with apparently with improved audio um is 90 pounds in the uk um so effectively they're pitching that at the same price as a an echo not the not the echo dot obviously but mm. um you know so if you're if you were before in kind of in the 
you know, I want something to control my home and to play music and do all those other things and, you know. Not invade my privacy in the process? Yeah, but at the same time, you know, before it was like, yeah, but if I go for a HomePod, that's, you know, I could buy, you know, I could buy four Echoes or. Yeah, you, you can know, fill four 12, rooms with exactly, brains. Exactly. You know, 12 dots or something for that price. Where <laughs> the whole house covered. Covered in dots. Yeah, exactly. Whereas a lot of people are saying, okay, at, at $99, this is no longer, you know, it's no longer a wallet clenching kind of price, is it? It's, it's also pretty, by the way, just to say, even if it is oh, a yeah, it's cheap, like smaller nice. cousin, it, it's actually quite pretty. The nice little sphere. It's about three and a half inches across i think interesting the new uh the new um echo is also a sphere <laughs> yes yeah i've got uh so i'm planning on when the homepod mini is released um i will be doing a comparison i've got behind me uh sitting on the table uh Ec- or a nest audio and amazon's new echo so Google, of course, released its $99 smart speaker, the Nest Audio. And the it was interesting, the Google Pixel event was not very... Uh, people weren't all that excited about the latest Pixel phone because it felt a lot like the last one. But instead, the standout product ended up being app or Google's $99 smart speaker, the Nest Audio, because it has very good audio quality. Uh, so I will be comparing the three. I've been listening to the Amazon Echo, the new one, and the the Nest Audio, and they both sound quite good. One's a sphere. The other one is sort of like a, it looks like a sunglasses case, but stretched out. That's the Nest Audio. Um, okay. Yeah, I I don't know really how to describe it. It's um it's it's a different shape. It's certainly not a sphere like we're kind of getting from both the the new HomePod, the HomePod Mini, I mean, and the the new Echo. But um, I'll be interested to see where audio falls in with Apple's HomePod, given a uh, HomePod Mini, given how much it touted the HomePod as just, you know, rock your socks off audio in a small package, I think we're going to see a pretty good audio quality from this new uh, HomePod Mini. So I'm looking forward to doing that comparison and more importantly, kind of um, seeing, given that they all are coming in at that $99 price point. Uh, which one for me it makes sense to go with the HomePod Mini, but for some people it may not, especially if they've already bought into Amazon or Google as their smart speaker uh, manufacturers of choice. Because for so long that HomePod was, as you said, a wallet clenching price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Well, the main news obviously was uh, iPhones twelve. Lots of iPhones 12. Um, yes. So four iPhone 12s. Um, the the two sort of expected ones are the iPhone 12 No Name and uh, the iPhone 12 <laughs> Pro. Uh, and then new to the range is a smaller, basically the same spec as the iPhone 12, but shrunk down at the iPhone 12 Mini. And then on the other end, we have the iPhone 12 Pro Max. And we're back to that model where the Pro Max gets a better camera than the Pro Not Max. But other than yeah. that, they're very similar to each other. 
Uh, 5G across the board. Everyone gets to play 5G, the same 5G. So the rumors that there will be the, you know, some chips would have different capabilities. Those rumors were wrong. Um, nice cameras in the mall, but definitely the pro, definitely taking it up a notch on the camera level with the, continuing to have the three lenses. We have HDR video. We have better night mode uh, because the lens is letting more light. And also Apple Pro Raw, which is going to make editing really up a whole other notch for the iPhone 12 Pro and Pro Max. Uh, all the phones get uh, ceramic shield, which is basically see-through ceramics or glass with little bits of ceramic embedded in it in such a way that it doesn't become opaque. Very clever technology. And uh, no more scratch-resistant, noticeably. It still scratches approximately the same, but four times as shatter-resistant. And... Uh, as someone whose front and back screens currently have big cracks on them and their iPhone 12 Pro or 11 Pro, I'm very much hoping that this works out to be true. Um, and, you know, better better processors, the A14, and it appears to be an absolute beast of a processor. Um, and I think that's sort of the main highlights for the devices themselves. Does anyone think I've missed something really important from that summary? No, I don't think so. Um, that's pretty much it, isn't it? I mean, it's 5G and everything's, you know, updated. The, the screen, obviously. Um, just as an aside, I saw um, somebody doing, um, you know, a pressure thing. Not, not dropping it, but uh, applying Newtons of force to the centre of the screen. The 11... Breaks at about 350 newtons of force to the center of the screen. Um, and the new uh, 12 breaks at about 440. So that's a considerable increase in the amount of force it takes to wow. break it. Interesting. Um, how that, you know, translates into drop uh, thing, I couldn't say. By the way, there's no change to the glass on the back. So um, yeah, I'll still keep breaking that, but that only mildly <laughs> bothers me. Less expensive, uh, the the replacing the back glass. It is that Ion X glass, um, or it's, it's some sort of. It, it's similar to what the um, the sort of every person model of Apple Watch has. Yes, uh, if you don't get the the sapphire crystal on the front, um, I the the new. The new old design I enjoy. Um, when the iPad Pro came out, uh, I was really happy to see those flat edges. Mm -hmm. And so hearing the rumors leading up to this iPhone, uh, this new iPhone 12, I was excited that that we would potentially see those flat edges. And um, I've got the iPhone 12 Pro in Pacific Blue, and it you know, those flat edges are really nice. The stainless, what is it? Surgical steel. Um, it's much more grippy. And so I'm happy about that, especially yeah. given, you know, you give somebody what's supposed to be a dramatically or radically improved camera for both video and audio. They're going to want to take photos with it. So you better make sure it doesn't fall out of their hands too much. Mm. Um, I've seen lots of people who've been reviewing it kind of put these phones in precarious places to shoot video um, and doing so with some with a level of confidence that I aspire to certainly but the edges of the device I think do make that a little bit easier um, 
it's weird though, in talking about this new phone, you know, I've talked a lot about how I feel it is a responsibility. Um, given the situation that we all are in, um, where we are dealing with a pandemic and we are dealing with uncertainty and we're dealing with job loss and we are dealing with, uh, many people are dealing with financial struggles and things like that. It is my, uh, duty to be honest and to, you know, I tend to be an enthusiastic person and an upbeat person. And so that sometimes will uh, fall over into my excitement about new gadgets because they're the new shiny and not, not um, quite just because, you know, these features are the thing that excite me. And so I've been very careful to really think about how I feel about this iPhone 12 pro. And it's honestly um, not, as awesome, I guess, as I thought I would, as I, as I expected it would be, uh, Apple is really pushing that 5g as this, you know, or maybe Verizon is pushing Apple to push this. The the market (laughs) has certainly gone there. Yeah. And I, I, I imagine there's, in exchange for Apple letting them come on stage and stuff, the, the carriers are now absolutely evangelizing the iPhone 12 as the first true 5G phone because unlike the Samsung ones where you have like a Galaxy 6S or whatever they're called and a different 6S that does 5G that's like a special phone we have a few of, just the entire iPhone 12 line does does 5G. It's just, mm-hmm. it, it's a thing the 12 line does. So it is the first universal 5G phone. Although I must say, the whole Verizon thing left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. It was a thousand percent. It was like the pricing thing banging on it all the time. You know, I mean, the the pricing thing, uh, which which was shocking. You know, uh, learning afterward that they kind of put these subsidized prices uh, out there, and that folks would then be surprised whenever they learned that their phone was going to cost more. Paired with, yeah, it really did feel like a Verizon ad some of the time and to let the CEO come on stage and sort of take up part of it. And this is where I get back to that, you know, what I was talking about is 5G, the way that they talk about it is this aspirational sort of you're out and about and you can still just stream video and do these FaceTime calls and do this and do that. And it felt encouraging of these behaviors that we know, given the time that we're living in right now, is not. Uh, responsible and the safer thing is to be at home as much as possible and so to push these features that it's like go out and explore and you'll still be connected like you're plugged in via ethernet and it's not it just it felt wrong and so again me as a as a person who's talking about these products people will um are looking for ways to kind of lessen their uh the way that this this whole thing has impacted them and for some people the way that we distract ourselves and try to find joy is through retail therapy is through new shiny and i just don't feel comfortable encouraging folks who have you know an iphone 10 an iphone 11 um to upgrade to this device because it hasn't wowed me enough to really say that i think the most exciting thing about this phone is stinking magsafe just because that's a delightful sound and a delightful uh, bit of yeah, action I, that I, takes I was, place. i was going to move us on to that in a minute but, but just before we do um i i want to sort of 
focus on 5G for the point of saying that I, I just think that 5G is to phones what 3D was to televisions a few years ago. Exactly, yes. We need something. It, uh, we need something to make these stand out. This is a something. It is, because, let's face it, at the moment, not only is there, you know, three different flavours of 5G, um, it's not available everywhere. For many people, it probably won't be available for many years. It strikes me and many people that I've spoken to um, that 5G is the 3D TV. It's the curved computer monitor. It's the, oh, look at the new thing. You should buy this because it's got a new thing. Um, and <laughs> well, in real world terms, it's bringing nothing um, right now. And that You know, in time, I'm sure it will enable things that thought of. But right now... Um, I just think it's to. about future proofing. It, it just seems like it, yeah. if you buy a if you buy your phone outright, and you then you're going to be buying it with the intention of using it for a couple of years. I would imagine, unless you're an Uber nerd like some of us might be. But on the whole, most people buy phones for many years, and to buy a phone in 2020 and not have 5G seems like you'll regret it in 2022. And so I agree. It's, it's just that box. if you market it. It is yeah. a tick box, but they're taking a tick box and they're making it the size of, I don't know. Yeah, uh, which is horse poop Mount to me. Everest or something. Yeah, it just, there's a dishonesty to it that, I mean, when you've got, there were like multiple instances of dishonesty, in my opinion, the one being the different price point and two, uh, sort of passing millimeter wave as this, as 5G, as this technology that's going to be available all over the place people it's a, to to expect people to differentiate between millimeter wave when i see say people i mean folks who are not steeped in technology to differentiate mm-hmm. between the two i think about you know I, I think that maybe verizon they said um you know uh, will you we i think that verizon ended up uh getting on stage at apple so that it could make some money so that it could afford to pay it's support staff who's going to be answering questions about 5G for the rest of eternity when someone gets their new iPhone on Verizon with 5G and they aren't getting 5G speeds where they are. I really feel for all of those support staff chat people yeah. and call people because they're going to spend a boatload of money. Where's my 5G? It's like, where's the beef? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, and, I mean, um, the, the, I've linked in the show notes an opinion piece by O'Malek. He calls it 5G Hocus Pocus. He says there's no magic, but there's plenty of Hocus Pocus. I like that. That's wonderful. Probably a good, a, good, a good summary of it, yes. Plus, of course, um, the millimeter wave, which is the super high fast um, part of 5G, is not going to be shipping to the rest of the world. Only the US are going to get that. Yeah. Anyway, look, I'm going to move us on from. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Time is time is. We're, we're short on time, off. and then we all agree it's, it's my fault. I brought the twit uh, disease over to the show. Well, no, but it's, look, it's, it's the point we're trying to make is it's not important. So let's move on and prove it. Yeah, to let's move on. Yeah. Um, I, I want to swing back to the physical design uh, before we move on oh, to yes, more I love stuff it. because I love it. Like like you, Micah, when I saw the, the, the newest uh, iPad Pros with that same design language, so familiar from the epic iPhone 5, I was delighted. And to see that now back in the iPhone 12 is gorgeous. 
Um, I uh, very similar to you, Mike. Uh, identical to you, Mike. I went with the Pacific Blue Twelve Pro, and it's so wonderfully familiar and yet wonderfully new. It's uh, it's, it's interesting that way because it's very definitely a modern new device and yet it speaks so much of that old design language that the edge to edge display in com- combined with those flat sides is delightful um it's it is a very pleasing device in the hand um and, and the other thing that's important i think is for those i i mean i if it wasn't for the fact that i'm a photography nut i think the phone for me would have been the 12 mini because I've always been a fan of the smaller screen sizes and sort of reluctantly went to the bigger screen sizes with the iPhone 10 and you know they're amazing devices and thankfully this device doesn't feel any bigger in my hand it just feels better in the hand but really the fact that we're back to smaller screen sizes on uncompromised devices is is huge I think and I think a lot of people will be very happy with that 12 mini it's just I want my zoom lens please and I really 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 want my pro raw so as soon as they mentioned Pro Raw, I stopped humming and hawing. I was like, okay, I'm getting a 12 Pro. But before then, I think I probably was very tempted by the Mini. And I have to say the colors look so much better on the 12 non-Pro than they do on the Pro. I'm a bit disappointed that the the blue is darn subtle. I didn't want subtle. Yeah, yeah it's all very subtle. And it almost feels because of the way that the blue looks on the the no-name iPhone 12, um, it almost feels less premium. The, the, the actual color feels less premium. Uh, of course, you've got those stainless steel sides that sort of um, bring it up to par. But yeah, I certainly agree with you. I And I, I don't know, I'm just a fan of color. And I was sad. Green is my favorite color. So last year with the, uh, with the introduction of what, Midnight Green, I about you know, lost my mind. So excited about that. And so to lose that color this year was a bummer. Um, I had to make it up by getting the green iPad air um, <laughs> to, to test out. And yeah, that it's still a subtle green, um, but it's green. And I just, I like color. And I think that there's, I don't know if all pros out there are so um, I've not met a lot of people who use those pro phones who are going, oh, I wish that this was more dull than it is. I, I want it to be duller, duller, duller. Uh, folks like color. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to jump us on to the other big feature, which you've already mentioned being in love with, Micah, which is this. So they've reused the brand name MagSafe. And someone asked me, what makes it safe? And I'm not sure I can answer that. But anyway... There are magnets cleverly arranged on the back of all of the iPhone 12s, uh, which allow a charger and or accessories to align and stick. Um, And so in terms of charging, what that gives you is the fact that you know the charge coil is going to be perfectly aligned so it'll charge efficiently. It's still Qi compatible, which is a nice trick. So it's basically Qi++. It's like, you know, Apple's MagSafe is Qi and more. But the good news is if you have Qi chargers all over your house like I do, they'll continue to work just fine. And then you have this ability that the magnets will allow accessories to auto-align and snap in a very nice way. I don't have any such accessories, but from the video and from everything I have heard, it is extremely satisfying. And I get the impression you agree. 
I do agree. Yeah, there is something very satisfying. And I think, you know, folks that are asking kind of about MagSafe, uh, originally it being in a, a MacBook, it was a way to, if your roommate or your dog tripped over the cord, it wouldn't pull your very expensive MacBook Pro onto the floor because the magnetic charger would just unlatch. And so now I kind of see it as safe in the sense of reaching home base, meaning you know that you've crossed home plate. The The safe feel of it is you hear that snap and you know the magnet have locked in and that you're charging for sure. So uh, that's kind of how I've taken this MagSafe uh, rebranding. But Mm. yeah, I think it's a delightful um, feeling. It's delightful in the sense that I'm not I, even in the dark, when I put my phone down next to me on the side table, it locks in. And I think too, that uh, it it, it just feels right. Excellent. And of course, Apple have a bunch of accessories. but even already, we have accessories uh, from Belkin have already come out. Uh, pop sockets have said they're coming out with, you know, MagSafe pop sockets. They'll be massively popular. And Peak Design, I think, got a little bit Sherlock because th- th- they have a whole big thing about <laughs> mounting. And they've basically yeah. said, we'll retro engineer it to make it work with MagSafe, is how I'm reading their announcements. Because I don't think they were planning on doing MagSafe. I think they were planning on it not existing. Uh, but nonetheless, they say they'll be compatible with it. Um, and we have reporting from iMore that uh, the magnets will not interfere with medical devices any more than your existing chi charged, charged devices do. So if you're not currently being killed by your phone, you won't be killed by your iPhone 12, which I think That's is possible. That's good to hear. Yeah. Yes. Overall, a good thing. <laughs> yes. So... Do we okay? So I I've put my money where my mouth is. I'm getting I have in my hands. It arrived yesterday, which is I'd never seen a DHL delivery on a Saturday before. But hey, not complaining. Um, <laughs> so I now have my my 12 Pro, and I'm extremely happy with the Midnight Blue Pro. Micah, you went with the same phone. Uh, Simon, did. did you did you go 12? No, um, I've still got a 10R. Um, and if you remember when I uh met, well two years ago now i think when i took that out i told you ended my um purchase plan to the three years rather uh-huh. than the previous two in order to you know not increase my monthly outgoings so i still have a year to go on mine and i'm still very happy with my i, I love the look of the 12 I, I do but right now i don't have the money um and uh, you know as mika is saying um you know there's a lot of uncertainty um yeah and um, you're going to get you know, the benefit I'm, right when your three year cycle is up the next yeah, one is going to have all of this so you're not Ooh, it's you going to be all that you know it'll be the i don't know iphone 13 or the you know 12 s whatever go 13 whatever you know um you know what i mean it will um it it will feel great um and a lot of people have said the same similar things to to Micah in that if you're on an 11 unless you are really mad keen on buying it just for the sake of having it mm-hmm. it's probably for the average user not worth doing you know wait a couple of years you know keep your phone for 2 years then you'll feel the you know you'll feel the benefit when you upgrade and i really love my 10r i think it's a bloody brilliant phone so um and I don't think I Apple are expecting us to upgrade every year. I, I don't think Apple are designing the phones in an attempt to make everyone update every year. I think no, Apple are designing right. the phones in such a way that when your contra- your two-year contract comes to an end, you're going to have a very impressive device waiting for you. And Exactly. Is, yeah, I exactly. think that works. 
Anyway, I'm going to move us into quick stories to round out the show. Um, Apple have uh, launched uh, AirPods Pro service program to address some sound issues. So if you have AirPods Pro and they're acting up a bit, there's a program to get you fixed. That is bad that it's broken. Good that there's a program. Uh, I know it's a quick story. I know it's a quick story, but I was just going to say I'm glad they're doing this because I have had two instances of AirPods Pro go wrong and it was kind of a struggle to get it working. So now that there's a service program, hopefully it'll be easier. And please, let's hope that I don't have to replace any more of my AirPods Pro. Fingers crossed and touch wood on that. Yeah, the fact that they have a program means they know it's bad. So touch wood, they get it sorted. They have also announced very interesting new headphones, Beats Flex, wireless headphones with all the W1 magic for $49. That's darn appealing price. Uh, We have an update to Apple Music for Android, which has brought a whole bunch of fancy features to the Android platform. So interesting to see that not get left behind. Uh, WatchOS 7.0.2 has come out along with 7.0.3 basically bug fixes Um, some of us were experiencing stupendous battery drain on WatchOS 7 I was afflicted by that and I'm delighted to see that fixed and uh, apparently people with Series 3 watches were way worse off they were having uh, unexpected restarts which is what 7.0.3 was meant to be quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of um, and I'm on and for what it's worth I'm on beta 7.2 um, I don't know what build it is now. Um, and I am still getting occasional random reboots of my Apple Watch 3. Not as frequently as before, but it's still happening. And also occasionally you look at your watch and find that it's locked itself. Oh, lovely. So that's a, you know, I mean, it's that's partly that's what you get for being on the beta. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, that is currently still a, a little bit of an issue. Um yeah. We also found out that Apple spent uh, 1.5 million lobbying Congress in the United States in Q3 of 2020. And that's million with an M. That's actually a spectacularly small number for a large corporation. That was on a Facebook. Do not spend that little by any means. That's uh, that's almost a case of here's some money we found down the back of the sofa. Could you just... You know, yeah, use that to go and tell your congressman what you want. Um. <laughs> it's Apple pocket change, yeah. And it, what I found frustrating about this story is we don't really we know what topics they spent the money on, but we don't really know what they asked for. So lobbying US to possibly bring chip production to the country that might have been to do with the Foxconn deal that went belly up, uh, and. Uh, Apple are lobbying Congress about the Uyghur labor bill, but it doesn't say whether they were pro or against the bill. That's kind of important. Yeah. 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 uh, Because one side of it is good and the other side of it is... Yeah, if I was an Apple shareholder, I would really want to know where where that money went. So, yeah. Anyway, that's going to round us out for the month. Guys, thank you ever so much for being so generous with your time. I really appreciate, you know, when people take the time to join me for a, a natter about all things Apple. Um, and a very fun natter it was, so thank you. Um, in no particular order, actually, I usually try to go in reverse order, so that would mean, Micah, do you want to remind the good listeners where they can uh, hear more of your fine work? Yeah, if you head to chihuahua.coffee, that's C-H-I-H-U-A-H-U-A. Oh, that's dot coffee uh i've got links to all the different places i exist online including my twit podcast and clockwise excellent that is i definitely love that link um simon where would you like to send the good listeners 
Uh, well, of course, the best place to uh, listen to my uh, ravings is on the uh, Essential Apple Podcast, part of the uh, MyMac Podcasting Network, of course. And uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can listen to my or read my political rants, raves, and sometimes tech pieces on uh, at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Excellent. Uh, folks, you will find detailed show notes at lets-talk.ie. You'll find links to all the stories that have informed my thinking on uh, the October Apple News. Uh, quite a lot of reading I did, if I do say so myself. Um, <laughs> Indeed. While you are there, you will notice large blue buttons in the sidebar under the heading support the show. Um, thank you to everyone who, in fact, supports the show. You guys make it possible for the show to exist, as you know, as I've sort of been saying in these COVID times. I need podcasting to break even because uh, unlike my cat, I haven't turned this into a career. I has me a day job. <laughs> uh, and so the fact that we are in fact back to, we were briefly below breaking even and I sort of appealed to people to help me get back to breaking even. And I'm happy to say that you guys rock and we're pretty much back to breaking even again. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who upped their Patreon and who threw me some very generous contributions through PayPal in the last month or two. Really appreciate it. Makes a really big difference. And this show is 100% listener supported. There are no ads because I fundamentally don't want anyone to be able to tell me what I can and can't say. So there can't be a conflict of interest. But it does mean I depend entirely on you guys and you guys rock. Um, so anyone who supports the show, thank you. Anyone who would like to support the show, you can. if you want to do a regular small contribution, Patreon is the perfect vehicle for that. You pledge a small dollar amount. I do exactly two shows a month, one Apple, one photography. So if you'd like me to have two of your dollars, pledge one, you get the idea. Um, and then if you instead would like to just make a one-off larger donation, PayPal is the efficient mechanism for that. And uh, the button is right there at letstashtalk.ie. Meanwhile, simply telling people about the show, tweeting about it, Facebooking about it, etc. All of that helps massively. Uh, so if that's the best, you know, if that's what you can do in 2020, then I appreciate it. And I thank you very much for doing so. I've been your host, Bart Bouchat. So you can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time. Happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello everybody, this is Simon Parnell, the host of the Essential Apple Podcast, the show where we aim to take a wander around the week's news in Apple, news, reviews, technology, security, and anything else that catches our eye. Plus, from time to time, we like to have guests from the industry who we get to tell us about their products, their services, their history, their philosophies, what uh, drives them, and of course, just what makes them tick. That, plus a bunch of friends talking about the news in Apple. What more could you possibly want? Check us out on the My Mac Podcasting Network 